fired up. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Ryan Campbell. And we're back with the box. All box, all the time. Wow, wow, wow. Let's go, champ. Let's go, champ. Champ, you're going to need about three or four more of them pies. It's your boy, Brian Campbell, back on the scene, crispy and clean. You can try, but don't why, because you can't intervene. The audio that Rafe Bugs and I are about to give you, it's performance-enhancing audio. Talking all things box this week, from the return of Vasily Lomachenko in a lightweight unification bout in Great Britain. We're going to bring on noted Australian boxing journalist and friend of the program, Alex McClintock, to break down this Aussie Super Bowl when Jeff Hahn gets back in the ring against that male dancer, Michael Zarafa. Lots to recap. Lots to look forward to. Lots of Canelo Kovalev talk to get into on this show. A reminder, if you like the show, and I know you do. Respect us a little bit. I respect box. I respect everybody. I respect everybody. Athletes. Respect podcasters with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever, Spotify, wherever you're finding this show. I want you to hit us up. Tell us what you like about this show. Tell us what you want to hear on this program. Just tell us. Hey, let me bring in my co-host. He's Detroit's finest. He's no longer in that left backyard anymore. He is a New York Times bestselling author, a stretch four, according to Bill Simmons, and the nicest guy in the sport, the athletic zone, Rafe Bartholomew. Oh, baby, Bugsy, how is it in the Midwest, bro? You've been, uh, you on the assembly line in, in, in Motor City or what are you doing? Look, if there were still good union jobs available, <laughs> Brian, I would be in there because I'm ready to ditch this life, this media life. It's eating me alive, Brian. I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread. I just, I just want to, I just want to be able to make a living and, you know, put some, 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 Steak and potatoes on my table at night. Have a roof over my head. That's all I ask for, Brian. Wow. Wow, Rafe. All right. I will accept that. Um, it's a fun time in box, Rafe. We got a lot to talk about. Fun Kovalev fight over the weekend. I mean, anytime we get to talk Jeff Hahn, we're going to be fired up for it. And I've seen a lot of tweets lately of people reminding each other, going, hey, summer outside of Pacquiao, maybe not the best and most deepest set of fights we've seen. But when you consider what's coming on the horizon, Rafe, it's going to be a good second half to box, all right? I want you to reassure yourself, get fired up. Hey, I want you to continue doing the great work you do at The Athletic. Can I put you over, Rafe? If anyone has not checked out the collaboration, the feature you did on Blair the Flair Cobbs and his insane backstory, please head on over to TheAthletic.com. Pay your 27 cents a day. I mean, you could feed a child in a third world country, or you can read Rafe Bugs for that price per day, and you're going to want to do the latter, brother. I endorse that message. My name is Rafe Bartholomew, and I endorse that message. Yes. Uh, thank you, Brian. That was, a, I think you could, people could tell I really enjoyed uh, working on that story, getting a chance to, to do a really lengthy interview with, with Blair the Flair Cobbs about his insane life story, uh, having to 
follow his father who crashed an airplane packed with more than 500 pounds of cocaine into the woods in West Virginia and then <laughs> fled to Mexico. Blair Cobbs was 15 years old and followed him there to Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico, where he fought on the same cards, the same smokers as a young Canelo Alvarez. Wow. Do you learned think he's to got fight grainy what? cell phone uh, footage of Canelo knocking out Archie Solis on the sidewalk that time? <laughs> that, this was this was young. This was young pre-prime, pre-pro career Canelo in those years. And he, training at Oscar Larios' gym wow. during the same time when Larios was flying over to Manila to fight Pacquiao. Who would have thought mean, he had this backstory, Rafe? I mean, like, you uh, see the pro wrestling stuff, Blair Cobbs, and he fought this past week. We're going to get into that. But, man, that was a great story. You mentioned the length. I mean, size matters on these things. Just look at the stiffness. I really enjoyed the length of that. All right. Uh, anyone else you want to shout out, Rafe? Anything else you want to sell? You, you got any? Uh, you, you're going to get back in the author's chair. I know we're going to have Al, our buddy Alex McClintock on this week to talk about his new box book that people need to check out. Is it giving you the itch to get back underneath that pen and paper? Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I would say I have the itch, but man, you got to line up. You got one thing I've learned over the years. Yeah, you gotta, uh, you kind of have to line the ducks up. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do the preparation. Otherwise, if you don't and you sign a book contract, then all of a sudden you're screwed because then you're on the clock. They're waiting for you. You're on deadline. The publisher's breathing down your neck. They want, they don't care. They're like, F you, pay me. And you have to deliver. And if you don't have things plotted out beforehand, you're going to be under the gun and, uh, and, and sweating bullets. So I, you know, I'm going to take my time, but hopefully it won't be too long before I can work on a big project of that magnitude. I know it's, it's a tough time in this, uh, in this worldwide climate right now, but, uh, 87 year old top ranked kingpin Bob Arum has advice, Rafe, on how you can deal with these tough times in the world news, these tough political times that just, it's, it's, it's hard times, Dusty Rhodes, right now, brother. But this is what he told Radio Rahim. My advice to everybody who's scared to death is smoke a lot of weed for four years. <laughs> All right, Rafe, I know, look, I don't know what, what it's like outside your door in Detroit, but if you, if you ever get down, you know, is it legalized there, Rafe? Only, only medicinal here in Michigan. Um, but I, I presume, like in many other states, if you go looking, uh, you can find it. What about that den of sin, Windsor, Ontario? Have you walked in there yet where all those guys in the Super Bowl that year got into trouble? I have not been up there yet, but I do, I do, every, every time I've ever heard anyone from the Midwest mention Windsor, it is basically as an excuse to go do some American under American underage drinking, Canadian legal drinking. It's like that that sweet spot from 18 to 21 when you could go out there and and just get litty in those yeah. casinos. No cameras. I don't like cameras interview. I like training and fighting. Thank you, Gassiev. Okay, um, I want to sell a couple things real quick. Rafe uh, had an episode of uh, Morning Combat this week. On Showtime's Below the Belt channel, Luke Thomas out. Your colleague Chuck Mindenhall got plugged in there. We had a fine little 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 get together there. Uh, have you been able to cross swords yet with Chuck? Now that you guys are back on the same team again, two former Grantlanders. Are we both former Grantlanders? I'm sure Chuck wrote something over the years. I can't ever remember. Um, uh, but um, 
you know, it's weird. I haven't seen anyone who works at The Athletic once since starting my job here. We're all sort of atomized out here in the ether. And part of that is because I haven't, you know, I've been planning moves, going across the country, kind of had a lot of personal issues, haven't been able to go out to the fights and mix it up with cop and pug. But, uh, there, there's, I'm sure we're, we're actually planning a big combat get together. We're going to have MMA and boxing under the same roof. I am going to try to cross swords with some of these skinhead white guys and their tattoos. We might, we might all get athletic tattoos together. It's going to be a great meeting of the minds. I've looked at a lot of guys. Um, are you going to be doing this guy fest? Uh, where are you going to do this? I was thinking you elitists should like maybe go to Bohemian Grove in Northern California and, and, and get naked and do rituals there. What the hell are you talking about? You don't know. You don't, you don't, you don't get into conspiracy theories and ultra, uh, secret meetings of the elite. What, where, where, why would I be invited to a meeting of the elite though? You're, the athletic is the elite in the combat sports space, Rafe. This is the, uh, the, uh, you know the 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 boutique hotel. This is the- I see the the elite of the dirtbag space. Wow. Yes. Wow. Nice. I'll take that. All right. That just blew up in my face. Let's talk about a fight that blew up in my face. All right, Dwyer. Enough. Richard Dwyer is here this week as well. Oh, also Sunday, Sunday on Fox, Big Fox, 3 p.m. Eastern. Please check out PBC Face to Face. Porter and Spence. You're not going to want to miss it. Revisit my social channels to see the little teaser they put out this past week on the uh, PBC studio show inside. Uh, what is it called? P- no, I don't know what it's called. PBC countdown. PBC no, the, inside the, PBC boxing. Yeah, that's it right there. Thank you for getting my. All right, I'm here. I'm, 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 a, I'm on brand all the time, um, Brian. What I want to know about it was Sean Porter on brand for this face to face taping. Was he wearing an extremely large Windsor tie knot, yes, quadruple, the, quintuple, octuple, septuple times three Windsor knot. The largest Windsor knot in the history of organized dressing. Yes, I referenced that. Did you that ask the show. him how to how, to show you how to tie it? No, but I did bring that up on the show. I never know what they're gonna leave on the cutting room floor of the. Here's the deal: I host a nationally televised show. Yet I drop inside references constantly during the show that only the weirdos who listen to this podcast would get. Or understand, Rafe. Sometimes they make it in. Sometimes they don't. Um, I did a really nice, uh, if you can give me a second to really bring up that sound. Did you ask him how, uh, if it's a long distance, a long way? No, I, I, I was unable to get that one off. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to make you wait any longer here, Rafe. Um, I did drop a little bit of a, we good friends. I love your daddy. I pop yeah. Spence. I pop let's Spence get it on. doing that. Let's get it on. I hope that makes it into the show. All right. Uh, so check that out. Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox. It's a fiery episode in the clip that's making the rounds. Um, uh, Porter was like, I'll cut you. I'll cut you, bro. Like, and whoa, whoa. And Spence is like, well, yeah, you'll cut me because you're dirty. It's, it gets a little heated there, Rafe. There's going to be a little bit of banging and that we know Porter's ready for that. I, I can't see him trying to bang with me. I think he's a uh, um, he's that kind of fighter where he's he's not going to allow you to you know just have your way. And I think that when Rick, he- they're going to have their way with each other apparently in the ring on September 28th on Fox pay per view because we know I know Team Spencer don't make sense. But Porter's got those things, Rafe. Okay, Sean Porter has some big, big balls for getting in the ring with Spence because Spence looks so good. 
So I'm very excited about that. Revisit my collaborations. Thank you very much. Uh, we have to sell anything else. Oh yeah. Hey, Rafe, did you know college football's back? I, you bet I, I'm living in the fuck, um, the gosh darn Midwest right now, Brian. <laughs> Spartan football starts on Saturday. All right. Well, college football's back and it's only fitting, Rafe, that CBS Sports' Cover 3 podcast has you covered. Rafe, stick this in your ear holes right now because throughout the week, you'll get the latest news and insight plus can't miss locks. Can you bet legally in Detroit? No, only in New Jersey and right. Las Vegas in Nevada. Well, you'll get your can't miss locks and new to the podcast this year. Instant Saturday night analysis. You won't have to wait until Monday morning to hear a recap of the top games because we've got Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons and Tom Fornelli right there after the final whistle of Florida, Miami in week zero. Providing instant analysis. They'll be back for week one to do it all again. Download and subscribe to the Cover 3 College Football Podcast on Apple Podcast today. And tell them BC sent you. All right, Rafe. Um, I'm just about ready to kick things off, uh, to shoot bombs, to talk box with you. First, though, let's pause and hear a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. All right, we're back. BC, Rafe Bugs. Rafe, kind of a wild boxing weekend. What the hell jumped out at you? Oh, my God, Brian. It was fun. I Look, the card of the weekend had to be the ESPN Plus, Sergei Kovalev, Anthony, Anthony Yard, and the undercard, the, the co-main, cruising together, Woo. Junior... Ilunga Makabu, fresh off, winning the doubles at the Makavi Games with Eric Raskin, his Jewish brother, in that decision win in Russia against Alexei Papin, who, damn, that guy could fight for a guy with no, with very little pro experience and an ex-kickboxer. That guy was tough. Yo, two, just, just two really, really high level, good, borderline, not great, but borderline great fights back to back. That was awesome. And then, of course, turn the, turn the clock back a few days. Another one of those fun, wacky Indio Golden Boy cards with my man, Blair the Flair Cobbs, having to get through some rough moments, <laughs> uh, going, being hurt bad in the sixth round by Steve Villalobos and then coming back to just Put it on him. Take his whole soul. Right, don't get too far was, down was the, done. the train. He shot, and he, we got two load watches on that, on that oh, broadcast. I did not grab our them, man Jojo Diaz, Brian. Thank you, Jojo Diaz, for, for bringing that back. Despite being on the same network, right, as, as Barack the Boxing Bully Bess, who said no more loads, Jojo Diaz dared to be great, dared to do what people, what men do in boxing. And that's, you know. So he shot his load. Let him shoot his load. Thank you. Um, Rafe, don't, don't go too far down the train here. Let's start there. Let's start with Blair Cobbs. It was that Thursday night Golden Boy card. And in light of that really spectacular feature you wrote that I talked about off the top, we said coming in, you said it in your story. We can say it now after watching him kind of get roughed up for a while by Steve Villa Lobos, but then get the exciting win. How good can he be? Because the story's so good, the personality's so good, the theatrics, the the promo, the pro wrestling promos, all that. But are they gonna have around and match him with somebody who can actually beat him? I hope not, Rafe. 
Build him up to a fight with Virgil Ortiz at 147? Oh, oh Lord, no. Um, Brian, I think we would be wise to heed the words of Richard Dwyer and not fall in love with a fighter who probably doesn't exist. Now, I did speak to Cobbs's old trainer, Marvin Schuler, ex-fighter, Philly legend, and he believes in the guy. He thinks there's real talent there, but also admits that he's he's wild and he needs to be, you know, he needs that trained out of him and he needs someone to stay on top of him all the time. And you could see that he's so reckless. Cobbs is so reckless. He makes so many mistakes. He he likes to showboat in a way that that wastes energy and rounds. Um, he's he's he and you wonder he's 29 years old. Is he really going to be able to? work out those kinks and and somehow be able to uh to achieve at a really high level in the sport it's unlikely is it impossible no but uh, you know i guess the the optimistic view there is that look the guy is quick he's got some power and we see now that he can he he comes back you know he you you he's not he's got he he fights back yeah he's got some balls on him right he was he was out he looked like he was done in the sixth round when he after he got knocked down and he came back with and sat down and fought the fight he probably should have been fighting from the beginning and got via lobos who had blown his load crazy like like one of one of the best all-time load watches uh of recent in recent years not all time excuse me well, um like, yeah but yeah I, he, look look blair Cobbs does not you can't be a serious analyst and say he look I, I i think this guy will win a championship at 147 pounds the wealth the walter weight division against many of the greatest fighters in the sport that's crazy but I, look, he's fun as hell, and he's got that story, and I, I would love to see how far he goes and see him make some money. The guy has balls. He fights like a tough, tough gang member. Golden Boy on the zone should almost create a, a – they should do a Bellator MMA, Rafe, and just sort of like be a home for incomplete, wacky fighters who are fun to watch – and are a little bit more sizzle than steak. And then in that air, in that area, you can shape shift them and put them in the right, in a weight that makes sense. You can mundane them together. I mean, Blair Cobbs versus the rooster. Like Rafe, this is central cat. This is pro wrestling booking. So with given Blair Cobbs' pro wrestling gimmick, I mean, maybe that's the future for Golden Boy. Go around the local gyms. Don't be looking for those five-star studs. Don't be looking for the the next Ryan Garcia. Just find me another weirdo who has charisma, fights like a tough gang member with helicopter arms, and can cut a decent promo after, and I'll be down for this, Rafe. Like, I don't need to see world beaters against each other. At the end of the day, I need to see people that I care about fight each other. I care me some Blair Cobbs. So basically like a a, a, a slightly – more respectable version of those barstool fight cards. Yes, actual boxing, not necessarily just full-on haymaking. Um, all right, let's, we gotta go right to Kovalev. This was the fight of the weekend. It played out as a hella exciting bout from Chelebinks Rushka, the home of some, uh, isn't that the home of some, uh, nuclear meltdowns in the past? 
actual well, it was the, in the recent past, a few years ago, it was the town where the meteors fell oh, and, right. and landed. Uh, it was a big, uh, it was a large uh, military construction site during Soviet times, was actually known as Tankograd during Soviet times, was like the nickname of Chelyabinsk. Uh, it is a, it is a very old school apartment block Soviet style city still and uh it, it, hey people came out roy jones came out to bless the crowd hey, uh, with a performance max golovkin brother of triple g I saw came him out. back there uh costa zoo came out and this is the home of of airplane handsy light heavyweight champion sergey crusher kovalev rafe he fought unbeaten mandatory anthony yard of great britain sort of a jean pascal molded guy muscular explosive Cannot fight for 12 rounds. But I do respect this about Anthony Yard, that he was willing to try to win. And what that meant was he didn't have 12-round stamina. He wasn't faking that he had 12-round stamina. He ultimately got knocked out by a damn jab. But he tried to win this fight in the in the rounds in which he, he balled up enough remaining breaths and energy to go for it. And it's weird. Kovalev ultimately passed this test. He was taking a dangerous gamble. I don't think we really spelled this out enough. When he turned down the Canelo offer, because he already had this yard offer and he didn't want to disappoint his hometown fans and the fight was already booked and they were already advertising it, he was risking, as a 36-year-old aging fighter, his last big money, like $10 million potentially. And you consider Kovalev has only been on pay-per-view twice, both against Andre Ward, both uh faltered. He probably only made, what, a million and a half, two million for each one? If that, like, there was not a lot of money available for those fights. This is, like, his retirement. This is his future. This is, like, everything. And he still risked it all against Anthony Yard. And when you consider how precarious that eighth round was, where he was hurt, he was gassed, and he was almost out of there, it's wild because he passes the test will probably get Canelo Kovalev, although I want to talk about the business with that in a second. But damn, Ray, he came so close to, like, where's he going to go from here? Losing his title, losing Canelo, and maybe just fading away. Yeah, he was He was on, after that eighth round, You he looked like he was on a one, he had a one-way ticket to Bolivian, and uh, we weren't going to be seeing him for a very long time. Maybe maybe just don't come back to the States and face those charges because, and, you know, if you lose, there ain't much reason to come, you know, no, no, there ain't much money waiting for you here anyway. Um, but, look, I give credit to Yard for fighting. Yeah, he, he, look, he, he's got, he got a lot of criticism for the, basically for the way his trainer says they don't spar, uh, which is probably, which I believe, but you never know. It might, might have been a gamesmanship thing, but they don't spar. They have, they run through these crazy pad routines. They do everything different, but you know what? Anthony Yard almost won that fight. I mean, he had Kovalev out on, basically out on his feet, hanging on for dear life in that eighth round, and he just didn't have – He it was a mixture of Yard not having enough to finish it in that round and not cut, and not recuperating well enough in the ninth and, that, and for the rest of the fight. And, and Buddy McGirt and Kovalev both sort of – Summoning some magic in that, in the, in, in the corner between the eighth and ninth rounds with, with McGirt throwing out. Did, did you think that McGirt was really going to stop the fight or was it a little bit of just getting in Kovalev's head, lighting a fire under his patoot and saying, 
Sergi, you better go make something happen or this fight is over. Um, what, whether it was, whether it was canny, uh, corner work or serious, uh, you know, or, or a serious comment, uh, that, that he meant to back up from, from Buddy McGirt, it worked. Yeah. And, if, it, if it was the latter, then he's a genius. If he, meaning if he kind of just said it to try to light his fire, then it was a genius move. But that added so much damn drama because Rafe, like, Knowing Buddy was the guy, he was the guy in Maxim Donashev's corner when he just passed away. It's like, you know that he's probably more likely to save Kovalev. So if Kovalev had come out in round nine and not recuperated, I mean, could you have, like, what would have been worse? Kovalev, Brian, is not a guy that we particularly think of as one of the sport's great recuperators. No, he's a right? front runner. Once, I mean, Andre Ward went. Once he gasses, once he's, once things start to turn, they usually don't come back around his way. Uh, so it was, yeah, talk about the drama in that night. I mean, round. there was, look, Andre Ward at times was a little over the top, but he was also very honest. He's like, look, Kovalev's a front runner. It is what it is. So imagine if Buddy had not, now Buddy doing this out of care and concern, had not given Kovalev a chance to go out on his shield. Can you imagine how, had he saved him, had round nine come out and Kovalev got hit with a couple shots and Buddy's just like, all right, I'm not going to let you get knocked out cold. I'm stopping this fight. And he lost his world title and lost that Canelo opportunity right there. I'm not saying it would have been the wrong move to do, but how would Kovalev have swallowed that pill for the rest of his life? Like, that would have been the thing that he's thinking about in the back of his mind forever. What if he hadn't stopped? So the fact that Kovalev didn't allow it to get there, that he came back out in round nine and made it a fight, and of course he was helped by a few things, Rave. That yard didn't have anywhere near 12-round stamina. That yard is not a polished boxer. That He can't throw more than one punch at a time. But you've got to give Kovalev credit for two things. One, showing real comeback ability for the first time in his career after being on the verge of being out. And two, being a crafty dude. He mixes up the angles and the, the rhythm of his of the way that he boxes. He didn't really sit down on a ton of whole lot of punches there, but he just sort of stayed consistent and stayed a little bit crafty and relied on what got him there. And dude, I mean, there's, there was a lot of questions coming in. If you asked fans, who would you think would win between Canelo and Kovalev? And most people are like, man, Kovalev's washed. And you heard me on this podcast last week saying, I don't think he's washed, dude. Watch that Alvarez rematch against Elider. But yet this was a weird fight in which Kovalev showed us so much pretty much secured the Canelo fight and at the same time may have added more even more questions into who he is at 36 entering I think he all he almost made Canelo a bigger favorite in his performance yet produced a damn good exciting fight and for the first time showed real heart so it's one of this weird bags Rafe where there's multiple balls and you just which ones you want to grab I, I, look, I want to grab all the balls, Brian. All right. I want to take the whole soul. I want to take his nuts and then his soul. That's, that's what this fight did for me. It, it moved me. Um, I think that on one, so, so the flaws that we saw in Kovalev, we knew they were there. We know that he doesn't have great 12 round stamina himself, that his form kind of gets a little wobbly six, you know, after six or seven, active rounds if he not if he hasn't gotten his guy hurt or out by then we know that he just talk about a guy who doesn't like it to the body is there any championship level fighter in the sport who can't who, who takes body attacks 
worse than Sergei Kovalev. There may not be a guy. It's hard to think of one. I mean, and so those are still there. But what I think we may have learned, it's not just not maybe, maybe it's that it was the first time he showed that heart to come back. You know what? Maybe, maybe the answer to that little conundrum is that you think about who's the fighter who, who exposed that? Who's the fighter who basically took his heart in those, over those two fights? It was Andre Ward. It was the fighter who has, in one way or another, broken almost every, really every opponent he has faced mentally, right? Maybe Carl Frotch didn't give up, but everyone, whether they were just, uh, shut down and defused by Ward's, you know, by Ward's ring generalship and his defense and just being able to fight on his own terms at all times, uh, or in the case of Kovalev, the bodywork and the, the sort of roughhousing that, that took Kovalev made him kind of want out of those fights. But you know what? Losing that way to the second or third best fighter of this generation who does that to, who did that to every opponent he faced in his career? Maybe that's not as big a mark against Kovalev's in-ring character. We, we, we look, we know all we need to know about his r- character outside of the ring, but his character inside the ring may not be as bad as we, as, as the boxing public believed it to be after those Ward fights where, look, that's Andre Ward. That's a different, it ta- yeah, maybe there are mentally stronger fighters who can break him, but they got to be real good. They got to be real mentally strong. So far, it's only been Andre Ward. The 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 the, the Alvarez knockout loss. Alvarez caught him with a great punch and finished him. That that wasn't the same kind of comprehensive, uh, slow sort of turn 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 over the get over the hump beating that or, or victories that Ward. And uh, by the way, I still think Kovalev won the first fight, but you could tell that Ward figured him out in the second half. No doubt about that. It's just weird because Kovalev did show you a little bit chinny at this point. Certainly doesn't like it to the body. These are all reasons to want to favor Canelo if they make this fight happen. But at the same time, right, this is a damn great potential fight. Now, I know Canelo could walk in there and finish him in the first half and it won't be great. But a great fight on paper. We don't see this level of daring to be great that often. I mean, this is Manny Pacquiao climbing the scales, going up against De La Hoya and Cotto and being like, what the hell is this going to look like? I mentioned Sugar Ray, Lon and Sugar Ray Leonard and Donnie Lalonde last week. I mean, say what you will about who Crusher Kovalev is at 36. Canelo's not a big middleweight, and he would be moving up two full weight classes against, I don't care if he's washed, Still one of the biggest damn punchers in this sport. So even though Canelo would have the speed advantage, maybe the technical advantage overall, certainly the body punching advantage, he still has to navigate two things, Rafe. That stiff jab and the fact that Kovalev does know how to box from distance. And two, should Kovalev decide if they fight to just let his hands go early and make that a fight, Canelo's got to prove to us, like, this ain't Rocky Fielding. Canelo's got to prove to us he could take not just light heavyweight punches, but one of the biggest finishers of this era's punches. Dude, that's hella exciting. I think we're almost, there's too many people writing Kovalev is washed on Twitter and not really pumping up more than once what this fight's really about. The danger for Canelo. The true dare-to-be-great nature of it, Rafe. This would be high-level entertainment. I hope we see it. I'd have so much respect for the bag that Saul's carrying around. I'd be willing to press this sound button 
for a long ass time, Rafe, from your boy, Stephen A. Don't have it. I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez. Um, this is probably the only fight for Canelo in this weird summer fall and the weird breakdown of his relationship with the zone and golden boy that fills that triple G hole. Tell me if I'm wrong. We all want the trilogy. We all feel like we need the trilogy. But if Canelo had fought Daria Venchenko or even Callum Smith or anyone, it doesn't feel like Triple G. I think this fight fills that hole, Rafe. It, I, I don't know if I want to say the words fills the Triple G hole, Brian, but, um, well, we're here already. But yeah, no, this feels like a real big fight. This is, and those other ones, even the Callum Smith fight, which would be a great fight, uh, it doesn't feel the same. This is a real superstar event, the kind of thing, the kind of, and, and a historic, and a historical opportunity for Canelo to win a title at 175 pounds and not, look, there are a lot of reasons stylistically to favor him in that, and, and they aren't that hard to identify. But, but, Still, this is a legit guy who won back the belt he lost against the top five guy in the division, then defended it against a very talented, young, mandatory challenger. Not a guy, not, not some Thailand guy. Yard, there are lots of, there are lots of things to criticize about his performance, about his training regimen, about his stamina, about all the things that maybe he could have done better to win that fight. But he showed that he is not, uh, he, he ain't a chair. He wasn't a cherry, Brian. I, I, I will not say that i don't think he was and kovalev for canelo won't be a cherry either that's a real fight and yeah you 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 tend to think that canelo we saw canelo deal with what's a tall fighter's jab well yeah he was he's great at slipping julio cesar chavez jr's jab and (laughs) countering that over the top that ain't the same jab sergi has a stick and look canelo has great head movement I think he'll figure it out, but it ain't, I, I still want to see it. I want to see that fight. I don't even, I would, I, is it as good as the third Triple G fight? Probably not on the merits, but just in terms of spectacle, in terms of novelty, in terms of something different, that's worth something too. As a fan, I want to see that. And especially, you know, if, why I want, if I, I want to see it more, if Sergi and Buddy McGirt, Sit down, have a real serious talk together and say, look, we both know that Sergey's stamina isn't going – like if this goes into the later rounds, he's probably not going to hold up. Can- that's Canelo will get to him and hurt him to the body and get him out of there or just win on the cards because Canelo doesn't lose on the cards. So if Sergei and Buddy say, look, we're going to make this a six-round fight, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at this ginger – and try to set, take his whole soul That'd with so all of this 175-pound power. I want to see that fight, Brian. That would be wild. Uh, I that would, might be his best chance at victory, too. It probably is. I mean... He pays attention to your body from start to finish. And you mentioned it. There will not be a finish. The finish will be Kovalev getting finished. There won't be a 12th round. So you're right on that idea. Hey, look... Kovalev, probably not the best dude in the world. There's enough signs pointing against that right now. But I can't lie to you. I popped for him at how good of a spectacle and just fun boxing match that was on Saturday when he wins that in front of his home fans with so much at stake and the genuine happiness he had. 
that was just one of those moments where you're like, yeah, dude's probably a dirtbag. All this, all these things are probably true. But like, I certainly pop for Kathy Duva in the ring going nuts, you know, knowing the ride she's been on, uh, when nobody else wanted Sergey and he stuck with her and, and, you know, she's done a pretty damn good job, all things considered. And for the Duvas to potentially get this payday as well, I popped for that. Here's the deal though. They got to sign it and. I hope there's no shenanigans in the end from Canelo going, you know what, bro? How about we do this at 170? I hope that doesn't happen. And your colleague, the quality bloke and top copperator, did come out with a tweet today as we record this, Rafe, that basically said, DeZone and Canelo want November 2nd. Kovalev's like, bro, I just went through 11 hellacious rounds. That's a little bit too early. This can't fall apart, Rafe, right? Because Canelo doesn't have a better option, so this can't fall apart, right? Yeah, I don't think – I don't see how it will fall apart. I kind of agree a little – I tend to agree. I, I know that there are the old school guys, the the, the historians who, who know their history, know their stuff, say, look, fighters used to fight every two months, be in 15-round wars all did the time. Did you just subtweet not... Bill Detloff? Is that what you just did? I'm not subtweeting him. That, no, Bill Bill tweeted that, and I think other people did as well, and, and they are right – but I don't. That's just not the the norms of the sport these days. So I don't really blame Kovalev for wanting a little more time after what was a, a difficult fight to get. You know, even if it's just another couple weeks, that's another couple weeks to heal up and be ready for what should be one of the hardest camps of his of his career uh, at his age and and facing probably the second best fighter he'll he'll ever have met in the ring in Canelo after Andre Ward. Um, he that beat is, Bernard Hopkins, Rafe. Okay, I just want to let you know that. That's true. That, that he beat a late career Bernard, but you you are you are right. And Bernard and the alien was no joke even then. Um, shoot, I know I'm jumping the gun here. I look, I, Brian. I do think they'll figure it out because it is the best option. You know that main events, while and Kovalev, while they want to give themselves the best possible chance to be competitive and and make this the 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 best fight they can. They are not, they're taking this fight. If they get the ultimatum, or are they going to walk away again? Then, <laughs> then they deserve whatever happens to them. Like you, you, then they are teasing the bag too many times. They deserve whatever mess comes then from that. Then Nicole Duva will be calling up Steven Seagal being like, get your boy, get your boy. Let's, let's right. do this thing, please. Brian, Brian, can I, can I interest, interest you in some, some fabulism, some some way out there fabulous, scenarios. Right, fabulous was a decent rapper. I once saw not, him at not even decent, an excellent. Rapper. I once saw him at Spring Break in 2004. Uh, Digital Underground opened up for him. Daytona Beach, Florida. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, well, Brian, think about this. Who uh, we've always been, we've always sort of been wondering, what would Andre Ward come back for? This is it, Brian. Canelo beats Kovalev. Ward Canelo at 175. You think you uh, Andre is cutting whatever weight and he'll nah. come back because he wants that's enough money and enough Dude. glory. You know he still it's not wants about a Ward, little though. bit of that, bro. It's not about Ward. Canelo would never do that. Dude, like, are you kidding? Canelo so, was born ready. He, he cares about his legacy a, a little bit too, don't you think? Plus, it would get you. Triple G off his back. Nobody's gonna say you're ducking Triple G by fighting Ward. Let me stop you for a second, okay? A couple points here. One, He's Ward. On the wrong side of the street. Oh yeah, Holmes. I mean, seriously, here. Let me. Uh, can I bring in Dwyer to warn you before I uh, get? A... You're in the wrong part of the ring, Holmes. 
You're too close to the ropes. All right. Uh, Why don't you want to play ball with me on this, Brian? Tease the bag with me. All right, here's the deal. Andre Ward, A. <laughs> yeah, A, Andre Ward, not a, not a draw, Rafe. I'm sorry, not a draw. And I do like that you brought this up because hearing Ward talk, and it sort of reminded me that he was the retired pound-for-pound king. He pulled an Andrew Luck to some degree. I mean, he walked away with still some bullets left in the chamber, the unbeaten record, and you know he's thinking about a big thing. But he's not a draw, so this doesn't make sense on the same level for Canelo to take that kind of chance. That's A. B, let's not forget... We used to make fun of Canelo saying he'll never rise to 60. He made Golovkin wait two years while fighting at Canelo weight un- unnecessarily too long. The fact that he's even going to 75 is ridiculous considering his size. So he's only going to do it in a Roy Jones, John Ruiz type scenario, which he has found, by the way. Although, to give him more credit, Kovalev, you can argue, more dangerous than John Ruiz at this point, although it's probably more of a push because, look, that was a dangerous fight for Roy Jones no matter how you look at it. At that point, John Ruiz, yeah, he's a sweaty hugger, but he could he could punch against a light heavyweight moving up. But no, Rafe, it, it, w- it wouldn't happen. It can't happen. That's a losing proposition because when you match them up, Rafe, you don't see an avenue of victory for Canelo. What do you, why not? Why not? He's he's fresher. He's He's been active. Ward hasn't fought for three because years. Ward can fight he every is style. the golden child. You don't think that? I mean, look, I think that Canelo is live in that fight. I don't think that's a wash. You really think it's just but that is it, easy? Wh- but why would it be worth it when it's not a like he'd be carrying Ward's name up? He'd be taking Ward's name and pulling it up to him. Do you know what I'm saying? And you're going against a guy who can figure out any style and figure out a way. It's not a limited slugger. It's a guy who can fight every style, and if he wants to, on just pure boxing ability is actually a better boxer than you and could just silence you that way if he wanted to. Who hasn't fought in three years? I, I think there is – I do believe there is a part of Canelo that wants that kind of glory and would and would go for it given if, if, if it lined – if the stars aligned to make that happen, I think he would go for it. Now, we have to stay in the same breath that – Canelo and his handlers have been pretty careful about making other kinds of stars align to protect him while he goes for glory and in many cases achieves it uh, with the decisions, with the, you know, with basically every every way that his career has played out. But, you know, Canelo is living in in his own world, man. He just thinks to him and, and good for him. He feels it feels he's done enough to, to deserve to feel this way. He feels like it's all him. And I think he, I, I think he'd do it. I think Dude. he'd do it. I'm talking. I want it, man. I want it. I want this, Brian. I'm, I'm gonna Larry Merchant this into existence. Kovalev is his margarito. People don't remember that Pacquiao took. He says it all the time. He took a lot of damage in that margarito fight, even though we look back at it as one-sided. Broke the dude's eyeball. Do you know how strong you have to be to break a guy's eye? Roy Jones once told us, "This is his limited margarito." Even though, like we just talked about, though. Kovalev can still punch. This will be fun. Make that fight happen, player. Please. Please. All right? Give me the smooth taste. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. No, we need this, Dwyer. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Makabu was really fun there against your boy Papin. I enjoyed that fight a lot. I thought he was setting up to get screwed on the scorecards, but that knockdown in round 12, Rafe, really helped him do it. Um, you look at the run he's been on since the bomber, Tony Bellew, surprisingly sent him to hell. 
He's a monster player now at Cruiser after this win, right? Absolutely. I, look, it's a shame that he has not been a part of either of the, the two series of World Boxing Super Series cruiserweight tournaments because he would mix in great with those guys. And he's only got the loss to, to Bellew or he might have one earlier in his career. I can't remember now. But he look, I, yeah, the guy is he's he's. A little bit, I think he's slowed down in recent years. He's getting up there in age, or maybe it's just wear and tear. But man, knows his way around the ring, can really pop. Good, look, cruiserweights are awesome, man. And I would love to see if, if they could make it happen in the meantime. It, it makes no sense because our guy, Christoph Glovatsky, has, uh, is, is, is a mandatory for whoever wins the Dorticos Briatus fight because he got screwed so bad out there in Latvia with the Robert Bird scenario. Um, however, if he just wants to throw caution to the wind and say, F this, I want to fight, please, 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 cruiserweight gods, make Glowatsky versus Makabu in the meantime. Let the winner fight the winner of the WBSS. Oh, it, it will be beautiful. It will be beautiful. But yeah, get 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 in the mix. Get 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 Makabu in there against. Uh, if he doesn't get the winner, then he can fight the loser. He can fight Briatus or Dorticos. Those are great fights. Uh, just keep him keep him busy, man, because he's fun. The cruiserweight division rarely rarely lets us down. Uh, Makabu's only other defeat was in his 20, 2008 pro debut when he was stopped by Kaieni Hulungwain. A guy who's still fighting and has an 8-14 and 14 record, Rafe. Bring in the cayenne, Brian. Bring, bring it in. Bring in the pepper. Bring it in now. Uh, also this weekend, did you see it, Rafe? Westlaco, Texas's own Brandon Figueroa defended his, what, interim vacant junior? 122-something-or-other sister say, belt. Though, uh, sister Bill, I watched his sister Omira's video after you recommended it on the Mayweather channel where they gave her a chance to like, dude, they went all out for her. There was a tour of her gym. There was interviews with her family and staff talking about how much she's a great person. And then like a 20 minute breakdown from her about how she never intended to get too much attention by wearing that tight pink outfit. It was, it, it was weird. It was interesting, Rafe. Look, men are willing to risk it all for certain scenarios. Uh, yes, very beautiful woman, and uh, good luck to her business as well there. But her brother, Rafe, um, he kicked the crap out of this guy. Did you see the CompuBox numbers afterwards? He seems to be a more skilled version of his older brother, Omar Figueroa, who just walks into traffic and can't make weight. Brandon's 22 years old. Good-looking dude, arguably the best-looking guy in the family, Rafe. But this was a main event opportunity for him on FS1. He did not disappoint. Boxrec, can you load faster while I delay this where I can get the name of the guy that he beat? He walked walked in there and knocked out Argentina's Javier Nicolas Chacon in Edinburgh, Texas. And he beat the bags off him, Rafe. Did you see highlights? Did you watch this jam? Yeah, yeah, I watched this four round little, it was four rounds. Why, you know, it's not, they're not asking too much of me. And yeah, he looks good. I like, I like Brandon Figueroa. He is sort of the in shape, smaller version of his, of his brother Omar. And he, and he goes in there and he fights inside. He's, he's got a weird style. It's, I, I look there, he, he, there's a lot of good fighters at 122 pounds right now. That's one of the low key, fun, 
divisions with a lot of talent and all guys who, who really bang. Uh, and I want to see him go for it in there. I mean, there, he's, there aren't, PPC, most of the action is over on the DAZN side, right? It is, it is with, uh, or I guess also in a top rank with Navarrete. Um, but you've got Navarrete, you've got, uh, TJ Dachny, Danny Roman, guys who are fun, fun, fun little fighters. And I, the more he can get in there and the guy on the undercard, right? Is it Stephen Fulton? Yes, they got Fulton F. He looked, he put a nice little performance on too. If they're building to those two against each other, okay, ooh, so I'm, I'm a down with that too. I had no nothing about this Fulton guy coming in. He looked great, and then I don't know if you saw in the post-fight interview with Jordan Hardy of uh, of uh, Caleb Plant fame. Caleb Plant's fame. Um, she was interviewing Brandon, and they let Fulton into the ring, and Brandon's like, "Yeah, I'll fight you, man." Like that got me a little pumped up for this for this PBC 122 bracket. Let's not forget, Brandon's got knockouts over Oscar Escandon and Moises Flores over the past year, so he's doing some things, Rafe. You just hope that. In comparison to his brother, who sort of forced himself up in weight and then we realized quickly didn't have the power or really the skill to be anything but a poor man's Juan Diaz and just baby bull you in your face. I hope this guy's working on his craft. He seems to have really good pop for 122, Rafe. Yeah, these guys are tall. They both have similar styles at their ideal weights, right? They are tall, essentially size bullies who are smart, pretty crafty inside and heavy handed. That 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 jig was up for Omar once he got out of lightweight and and couldn't make the weight anymore and started fighting at 140 147 where the power and the size wasn't as 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 impactful but if Brandon who who has you know towers over a lot of opponents at 122 probably would tower over a lot of guys at 126 as long as he stays committed stays in shape grows naturally into other weight classes there's no reason why he couldn't be of and if he has the kind of chin and determination i mean the one thing you say about omar figueroa that guy takes a punch uh, he walks into traffic and and doesn't seem to care a lot of the time uh that that could be the if Brandon has some of that toughness combined with a greater commitment to the sport, combined with uh, just being in shape and 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 being active, he could make some noise. Rafe, did you see the viral highlight that came out of this undercard? Did you see this thing? Get ready to introduce yourself to Omar Juarez, a 20-year-old Texan, a junior welterweight prospect who's now five and zero with three KOs. He sent. Gino de la Paz to hell. And if you have not seen this highlight, search Omar Juarez right now in your Google machine. Rafe, that was one of the most vicious punches. Right hand or the side of the chin. I don't know how de la Paz got up from that. They waved the fight off shortly after that. But the emotions coming out of my body were very Mancinian. <laughs> Like, clean that up already. I mean, dig it again, Rave. Did you see this thing? Brian, I didn't see it. <laughs> Rafe, Rafe, he sent that boy to Rafe, it's one of, he took his whole soul. It, with one punch, it's the, it's, remember, okay, you know what we all love to do back in the day, come home from high school, turn on ESPN or ESPN2, and there'd be like a half hour of Mike Tyson first round knockouts from his like first 20 fights? Hell yeah. Do you remember that one against that African American fellow with the, 
kind of the puffed up afro and the oh, yeah, yeah. kind of lanky guy. The dude, the lanky guy. The, yeah, because there's two. There's, there's the, the chubbier guy. No, the lankier guy. He walks into a right hand, like full extension. Like, I swear that guy's face fell off. I swear, like, he never, I swear he died in the moment. It was reminiscent to that, Rafe. This was like perfection achieved in terms of like video game stealeth a man's soul. I will have to visit that collaboration. All right. Any other fights we missed this weekend? Well, we got the whole zone card. I think it's worth just mentioning that uh, El Gallo, Juan Francisco Estrada, beat Steeman Dwayne Beeman in nine rounds. <laughs> I didn't Great watch play. it, Rafe. People hate he looked when good. you admit the He truth. looked good. It wasn't one of these Estrada performances where he is kind of fighting down to the level of good but not great opposition and just doing enough to win. He put a beating on Beeman, dropped him a couple times, I think, maybe once, and 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 got the stoppage late. It was, you know, the thing is, you got to watch Estrada because he's he's a he's a legit top ten pound for pound guy. He is one of the fighters in the sport who matters, even when he's not in big big fights like this one. It's worth going and checking that one out. Also, some fun uh, heavyweight action with our guy Filip Ergovic, the Croatian sensation, sending Mario Heredia, the Mexican heavyweight all the way to hell with some really just big, slow, lumbering right hands. I was uh, doing the skinhead white guy thing on Saturday night in Bridgeport, Connecticut for Bellator 225. Rafe, did you see this at all? They're calling it the most violent night in MMA, his- MMA history. 14 fights, all finishes, and many, many of the viral variety. Many guys. I didn't see this. Yeah, I'm from the hood. What do I look like here? Uh, James Kirkland over the weekend. I want to say we saw James Kirkland. We didn't because I can't find video of it. He did win his six-round comeback bout against some weird – some guy you never heard of, some white guy. I don't know if the guy was white, to be honest with you. I did read – You know he's not going to be facing another some Japan guy in a comeback fight. That's for sure. That is for sure. He scored four knockdowns, and he – I read a story from the local Austin paper heading in, not with – not with Ann Wolf at the moment, Rafe. He said they're they're having differences. They're going in two different directions. He says Ann's trying to figure out who she is as a person right now. Um, I just hope when he does resurface, and he will, he'll sell his name one more time, maybe on the zone against one of these middleweights. Um, I want to see it, and Ann better be there, Rafe. And I want I want Kirkland to be so close to his opponent. I told my team the other day. I say I want to be on on him so close. It's going to feel like we're oh I want God. him to smell my breath, smell my tension. If I haven't showered in three days, I want him to smell the must. I want him to smell and, and understand that I'm here you think for that, a dog fight. Yes. Kirkland wants to show him I want to drag your ass through the mud and, and let's see if you can still stay clean. Wow. And I feel like it's going to be a great fight. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Right for the first. <laughs> Jim, Jim Lampley's like, get away from me, psycho. Um, do you think that's enough to bring Yusuf Mack out of retirement and offer it like that? Right? <laughs> if he heard that, yeah, he's coming. He's he's coming from the doghouse. <laughs> All right, uh, that's the weekend that it was, Rafe. A lot of news to get to. A lot of fight announcements. A lot of things I want to pick your brain about, Rafe. Are you ready? I, I was born ready. Uh, Peter Quillen will not be fighting Caleb Truex in their rematch of that ab- aborted fight due to Truex's cut on Saturday in Minnesota because Truex got hurt. We wish boxing Twitter 
his own Caleb Truex and speedy recovery. But Peter Quillen was an opportunistic signing up for a September 21st FS1 main event against Alfredo Angulo Rafe. Does that move you? I don't even know. I saw people losing their minds over this fight. I don't even know what to think about this. Where where was Angulo? Was he fighting at middleweight most recently? Has to... he ever touched? Has he ever touched 168? What is? I thought he fought Sergio Mora recently, right? What's that? Didn't he fight Sergio Mora recently? No, not Sergio Mora hasn't fought in a few years. Dude, he I fought, thought Angulo, who's 37, by the he way. He fought Everett Bravo before Chavez Jr. did a couple weeks ago. Um, it's loading. I, my, BoxRec doesn't load quick, Rafe. It makes me feel like I'm, I'm not, you know, like, yeah, cloud TV. All right. Um, he fought Everett Bravo in April and knocked him out. He lost a split decision to Sergio Mora in April of 2018. Oh, shoot. That was last year. Oh, my God. He lost a decision to Freddie Hernandez before that. Good God, man. There's some tough L's on this run. Um, I pop for this, right? I like it extra sloppy, all right? This is going to be a war. I feel bad. I think I think Quillen is the, certainly the bigger puncher here, so I kind of feel bad. But it's not like Quillen is that far removed from getting himself into one of these and being in trouble either. You know what I mean? So it could. No, it's true. It could I, be. I, yeah, I hope we do a face-to-face, Rafe. I'll face-to-face that crap, you. That I, I'm looking forward to the face-to-face about 17 times more than the actual fight. <laughs> all right. Are you aware of what's going on top rank? December 14th, New York's Madison Square Garden. They're Woo! famous, they're in from their famous Heisman Trophy ESPN card that always gets monster ratings. We're talking about a doubleheader that includes Terrence Bud Crawford against one of my Lithuanians, the, uh, Mean Machine Kavajuskis, and the title bout at lightweight between Richard Kami and Teofimo Lopez Jr. in a co-main race on the same night, by the way, in the same city in Brooklyn that we're going to get on Fox, most likely. That rematch we all need to see, J-Rock Williams and and uh, uh, Hurd. What's the guy's first name? Jared Swift Hurd. Rafe, that's a lot of great box on one night in the same city, making people really choose. What do you think about that ESPN card, dude? Damn. Uh, look, I think the fight that really puts it over the top, the fight that people will really be excited for, clearly is Kami, Kome, whatever, versus Teofimo Lopez. Because that is, I mean, that Kome will be, to some extent, the test maker for Lopez. Is, is this, is, is he for real? Is he a championship level fighter already? We, we, there were some reasons to, uh, to doubt that against some Japan guy he fought a couple like a month ago and I don't know I mean like there was talk about maybe some of his personal issues he was not going to take that fighter initially now he's all in this is happening it's time to show and prove is this guy uh, uh, the star that he he has looked like over the past couple of years since sending really really in the year almost to the day since he sent Rock hard, mighty Mason Menard <laughs> save big money at Menards to hell. Hell. Yeah, he he made that that boy flaccid. That is for sure, Rafe. Wow. Everyone's shitting themselves, right? And I'm just getting started. Uh, he is just getting started. That is the great Eddie Hearns, and we are finding out from your colleague Mike Coppinger. Sources are telling the Athletic Rafe that we've got a uh, dual site 
DAZN card on October 26th. That will feature, are you ready? Heavyweight Joseph Parker and Derek Chisora. Or maybe not dual site. Maybe I made that part up. Either way, two big fights, same night on DAZN. Parker Chisora and the final of the WBSS 140 bracket, now that we've figured things out legally, Regis Progre and Josh Taylor. Right, October 26th, not a bad night there for boxing for DAZN. Hell yes. Look, I was going to be all in on Progray versus Taylor regardless, but with a fun, good test for Joseph Parker at heavyweight, you know, Derek Chisora has looked very good in recent years. I've kind of found a fountain of youth with Dave Caldwell and, and, and fighting with David Hayes camp, all the haymaker junk, wearing the crazy, crazy, uh, bandanas on his face, doing all that good Chisora stuff. Um, that's a fun fight. A fun heavyweight fight could be a little sloppy, but in the right way. Why not, man? Makes it better. Rafe, uh, I'm I'm down. I'm down for how these fall fall and winter fights. I'm I'm getting fired up here. Um, Andy Ruiz Jr. also is all in on Saudi Arabia. Eddie Hearns, the great Eddie Hearns, has said that he has um fulfilled every single request that Ruiz has had about security. And he will be more than protected. And certainly they, uh, according to reports, gave Ruiz the bump financially that he wanted. Rafe, did he deserve a bump here? He signed the contract to face AJ and essentially signed his soul over to a rematch on the terms that Eddie Hearns wants. Did he really have, I mean, you know. The great Eddie Hearns. Did he need to push the great Eddie Hearns to get anything more than what he had signed for? If he, if Eddie Hearns was willing to give that money to him, then yes, he deserved it. And then, and in less absolute terms, I do believe that he deserved that money, especially when they see the gigantic site fee that they all of a sudden got taking the fight to Saudi Arabia, getting all that money from the, from the kingdom. Uh, yeah, Andy, and Andy Ruiz has a lot, had, even, even if he didn't have legal leverage, he had a lot of, uh, as Angel Garcia might call it, hood leverage in this, negotiation because he had the belts those belts are valuable to eddie hearn assuming that anthony joshua has a chance at winning this fight and without you know and, and if and sure they could go to court people could get stripped the belts could get split up then all, all of the all of the juice behind this fight fizzles he eddie hearn probably has to deal with the zone being more mad at him than they probably even are already over having this whole thing fall apart and yeah he is good for good for andy ruiz yes he's the champion i mean i guess he signed he he upset joshua so he, he this, he's this is this is money he wasn't even necessarily expected to earn in the first place it's found money to some degree but he earned that money he won the damn fight he is the champion. I'm glad he got more money out of it. I'm glad he's being better paid. And look, Joshua's still walking away with the lion's share of money. Good for he, he deserves you, you deserve whatever you negotiate for, right? That's the cold, hard, sick world we live in. And sometimes it smiles on a decent top bloke like Andy Ruiz Jr. I have questions for you, Brian. Hold on, first uh Make that money, player. Yeah, what kind of questions do you true, have for me? True, right? true. Thank thank you, Rich. So at least somebody got the score right. Um, Brian, who, who is winning the red flag battle between Ruiz and Joshua right now? Between Joshua's, which we discussed last week, his sort of waffling <laughs> comments about, oh, it was a lucky punch, kind of living in denial. And Andy Ruiz still 
maybe hasn't even started gotten back into a gym. There was an interview with Manny Robles last week, his trainer saying, Oh, it's okay. You know, he hasn't, he's not in great shape, but he's been hitting the treadmill. Dude, I don't know about, I've never trained for a prize fight, Brian, but I think you need to do more than a, than, than a couple of miles on the treadmill. And you, I know you saw this video from the crazy ass, like P Diddy old school Hamptons like white party that Andy Ruiz hosted at his new mansion somewhere in Southern California with a, with a, like a, with like a Scarface, Scarface fountain and like naked sushi girls, lingerie model selling, giving out cocktails and God knows what else. Yeah. And Tay was there with the eyes wide shut mask. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, it was... It, I'm you, concerned. That doesn't worry you? That doesn't worry it you? It does worry me. I've, I've seen him buy the Rolls Royce or whatever, giant car Bentley. purchases. Bentley. Uh, you know, I'm not telling you how to spend your money. I'm not telling you not to enjoy it while you have it. I'm saying that there's an argument to be made until we find out what happens in the rematch. There is an argument to be made that Ruiz is not a better fighter than Joshua, but that he caught him on the perfect night. And he was better than most people thought, meaning Ruiz. And Joshua certainly was worse than he should have been or that most people thought. So if that narrative is true, dude, you got to be, you should have been training this whole time so that when AJ does sign up for the rematch, he's not getting fat Andy Ruiz coming in on three weeks notice. He's getting, I've never tried this hard to defend these belts because I just made it Andy Ruiz, Rafe. I mean, this is like, Scaring me Buster Douglas style heading into the Holyfield fight. So maybe Ruiz knows his body better than us. Maybe he knows that he can look like that and still have great stamina. I don't know. Maybe he's just going to shed it in training camp. It does warn me a little bit. I mean, if I was Dwyer, I'd be making warning videos. I noticed in the boxing press here online, they're saying Joshua has agreed to an immediate rematch. Player, rethink that. Wow, wow, Rich. Okay, I know that's an oldie, but a goodie right there, but wow. All right, Rafe. Wow, excuse me for that burp right there. Um, 40-year-old Kermit Cintron still boxing locally in Philly. Not not any news to us. He's still doing that. The news is, Rafe, that as he enters his next fight against some guy you never heard of, he says he's in negotiations with Bellator MMA. Now, here's the deal on Kermit. He's, he was an accomplished amateur wrestler. There was always sort of rumors that if anyone was going to cross over, it may have been him, but that was back in like 2009 or 10. Um, you're 40 now. Would you, would you get into this? Would you cross over? Would you watch a skinhead sport to see Kermit Cintron in a Bellator cage, the same cage that Heather Hardy recently did some time in? Look, Brian, I, I actually have a soft spot for Kermit Cintron ever since, ever since he was the first one to kind of expose Alfredo Angulo as less than an absolute world beater at 154 pounds when he was being thrown out there as this incredible prospect going to take over the sport wearing crazy ass dog collar into the ring. Uh, so. I'm into it a little bit. I think that probably, like you said, if you're going to make that move, player, go get that money when you're a little younger. Why, why now? But Bellator, you, you tell me, it, it seems to have the reputation as the, the mixed martial arts venue of choice for kind of washy old names who, who now they're probably way more experienced than Kermit Cintron in an, in an octagon or a cage or whatever they call it there. Uh, but, Still, at least he isn't trying to CM Punk this and go into the UFC. Well, yeah, Bellator allows you to fight slobs. 
if if you want to, and and really fight inexperienced guys. And that's who he should be in there against, to be honest with you. But yeah, I've long called Bellator the South Florida nursing home of MMA, where you can kind of find new life. It's that you know the movie Cocoon, Rafe, right? I do. It was a long time ago. Yeah, the old people go in that pool. There's this alien egg hatching underneath, and they're basically stealing the life force from the unborn aliens from the embryos there and then suddenly these old guys like the 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 diabetes guy wilford brimley is suddenly out on the basketball court doing windmill dunks rafe you know what i'm saying he's suddenly going all night long if you know what i mean rafe he's playing with the bag having a little bit of fun with the bag um you can find that there in bellator if you're looking for it but eventually even heather hardy found out you're going to get into a real fight and you're, you're going to get beat up. You know, that's, that's the, uh, skinhead sport we're talking about. That's why it's not for everybody. Not everybody is all kinds of fired up to, to, to talk about that. Everybody, everybody's different. I don't want to watch two grown men with panties on wrestling. I mean, I'm from the hood. I yeah. I think Kermit Cintron's from the hood too, but he is down with that. All right, Ray, if you got any other news for me, you got anything to pop me with her? A jab? All right. Yesterday was the two-year anniversary of uh, Mayweather McGregor. You got any thoughts? Uh, no. Know? Why? Why should I care about that now? I don't know. Just, just you know, everyone's tweeting about it, Rafe. All right. It's the talk of the internet. Okay. Just look. Just because everything, everything has an anniversary, everything that ever happened, Brian, has an anniversary. I, I like. I work for the Athletic. We don't do clickbait. <clears throat> wow. I wonder what the anniversary date is of the first time I asked you whether you'd risk it all for Rachel Donaire, and you just no-sold me completely. Did you see the Donaire and Newey press conference by any chance? No. Did anything happen? No, I don't know. Uh, just whatever. But uh, anytime I could work that in there, Rafe. All right. Uh, it's going to be do you care time in a second, but we want to talk to a quality bloke, one of our better friends in the business, Alex McClintock. A lot of Aussie talks and book talk to get into. I think you're going to enjoy this discussion coming right at you right now, folks. Enjoy. <sighs> All right, Rafe. Uh, look, I, I know there's a lot I want to find out whether you care about this weekend, but I know there's one fight above the rest that you care about the most. We got another Australian Super Bowl this weekend, a fight so big. We had to bring in the experts. We had to bring in famed Australian boxing journalist and author of On the Chin, a boxing education. It's the great Alex McClintock who, yes, has relocated to Toronto, but he's back down under, and he's on the state of combat one more time to talk some Jeff Horn with us, brother. Alex, how's it going, my man? It's great. How are you guys? Fired up, as always. Horn Zarafa week, getting me all kinds of horned up. Rafe, in the... um. In the pantheon of, uh, of our, of our life story with Jeff Horn, where does him facing a former adult dancer fit into your excitement levels? How horned are you over Horn Zarafa? Brian. Come on, Brian. Are you serious? Are you serious, Brian? I am always, always, always Jeff what? Horn. Always. This, uh, and, 
Well, we, we, I, I have a lot. <laughs> Look, I have so many respectful things to say about Jeff Horn. <laughs> and I, this is my moment. This is our moment to get into them. The only disrespectful thing that I will disagree with, with Alex till, on till the, the day we, we all disappear from this earth is, uh, that he, he did not beat Senador Manny Pacquiao. But other than that, I have a lot of respect for the man. I think he's underrated. I want him to fight better fights, but. I'm excited that uh, we get to see Chippendale, Zarafa, and and just Horn and Rushton back together. Have you been in touch with with the crew, Alex, since you've been home? I haven't, unfortunately, been in touch with the crew. I've been a little bit busy promoting the book and stuff. But I did just want to thank you for leading the turnaround on Jeff Horn with your beautiful articles in the Athletics pumping it up. I think the internet has come around. Teddy Atlas has a lot to answer for. But Rafe, you're doing it for us. He pumps it more than once. Broken pressure, rhythm, method, fighting is the new thing. I actually think, well, here's another. Glenn Rushton, as a trainer, is starting to convince me that he is an underrated guru in this game especially with the the game plan he put together for dennis hogan to basically beat jaime mungia earlier this year i mean this this guy the the rushton camp i i want to start seeing some 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 adrian broner fly out to brisbane to train in that mansion yes adrian broner needs to get down to the house of dreams in logan brisbane and sort it out (laughs) all right uh alex i want to sort of set the stage here for jeff Han. Well, let's push, let's, let's set the foundation. Let's, let's, let's throw it over to Keith Thurman. Jeff Horn was a real man. Yeah. He said, Manny Pacquiao, you don't got nothing. Mm-hmm. And Rafe, just to back up both Keith and our good friend Alex McClintock there, I scored that fight a draw. Let's not get on the Teddy Atlas. It was an effective robbery. It was a robbery. Let's not go down that road. But Alex, from an Australian perspective, our fighting hero, Jeff Horn, what does this fight represent? Is this a st- – because we've seen Horn do this. He'll come back up for air in the States and sell his name for a big one, but then he goes back, and he's just seemingly picking off all the respectable remaining Australian names. How do you frame this from a down-under perspective of what this fight represents? And maybe some of the less respectable names as well. <laughs> um, I think that it's exactly that. It's kind of – he, I mean, he was looking to get that fight with Rob Brandt. Ryota Murata knocked him out. Didn't quite work out. He's had, he's done the old Anthony Mundane thing of like having like Canelo's name in his mouth, wanting to get the Manny Pacquiao rematch. We know none of those things are going to happen. Uh, so he's kind of trying to tread some water and I think maybe acclimatized to middleweight as well because I mean, we've only seen him once at middleweight, uh, and it was against like the dried up husk of the shapeshifter <laughs> who he knocked out in, I think, 96 seconds. So like, who's to say? Um, maybe, uh, Zarafa is a good test. See if he can come up to the weight. Zarafa's a lot taller than him. He's not like Horn's not going to be a big or a tall middleweight. So we've got to see how he can go in fights without having that huge weight and size advantage where he can just push guys around. He may F around, though, Rafe. Tell me if I'm wrong. I didn't mean to interrupt you right there, but I'm hearing Jeff Horn looking ahead to the future using names like Murata, 
He may f around and stumble into a Golovkin match if he doesn't. If he's not careful, Rafe. I mean, does Jeff Horn not know any decent limitations on who he shouldn't fight? Brian, I don't know if you are as locked in on the boxing scene Jeff Horn headlines as I am, but he does. He's not going to stumble into a Golovkin fight. He has already called Golovkin out. He says he wants Canelo. He wants Golovkin. He wants Riota Murata. All of the biggest names at middleweight. He, Jeff Horn will say anything. <laughs> he will say anything to go get that payday. And I, I mean, you gotta, the, I, you know what? I think another thing Bob Arum respects about him besides his, his tough gang member fighting style is that the guy has chutzpah. Chutzpah, Brian. He, he goes, he's a hustler. I like to call um, that and, chutzpah where I'm from. That makes Eric Raskin, former Maccabee Games doubles tennis champion, very upset with him. <laughs> um, alright. But um, I'm with Rafe here. I think yeah. you gotta respect, I gotta, re- think you gotta respect it more than you do with Anthony Mundine because at least Horn has done it. He fought Pacquiao and he stepped up and he fought Crawford, uh, even if that didn't end so well for him. Whereas like Mundine was out there calling out Every man and his Floyd dog, Mayweather. Mayweather, Pacquiao, Marquez. And, like, what did he do? Fight Sven Otke? <laughs> well, let me, ask, let me ask you this, Alex, because when the U.S. last checked in with Jeff Horn, he was Rocky, right? Origin- I'm sorry, originally. When he, when he goes and he beats Manny Pacquiao, he's Rocky. He's school teacher turned world champion. And that, and that story certainly made him what I can see an instant cult hero in Australia. I mentioned he came back up for air to fight Terrence Crawford on the big level in the U S to us. He's still sort of this clownish, but respectable fighter. But to you folks down under, we talk about his business acumen, his wanting and willingness to sell his soul and his brain to whichever biggest name fighter was willing to punch it. Has he crossed over into shameless businessman? Like, where is he at in terms of pop culture celebrity status down there right now? On, on the Amir Khan scale, where does he rank? Uh, nowhere near. Like, you, like I've said, you have to remember that this man is following up the shapeshifter, who for years, he fought like 60 fights on pay-per-view, charging like people 40 bucks, 50 bucks, 60 bucks to fight like some dude from out in Tanzania and Argentina. So people like people are still on board with Jeff Horn. It's only been like three fights. Uh, Terence Crawford. I think people respect that he stepped up and he took the fight, even if he got sent to hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me let me get slightly mildly serious. I'm curious what you think, Alex, is Jeff Horn's ideal weight, and also. I, I like him. I mean, he may not be able to actually make 147 pounds anymore, and if that's the case, then he can't fight at welterweight. But I I like him at that weight because we've seen how he can use that bullying style. He's quicker than he looks. He can take a punch. He's even when he's getting outboxed, he's still in fights. I thought he even the even while kind of getting sent to hell, he I think he. Earned some respect with just how quick he was early against Terrence Crawford. He landed more than I think I expected him to in that fight. Um, he's not bad. Can he do, can he be good against bigger men at middleweight? And, uh, and does this Zarafa fight mean much? Is there, what does Zarafa have left? What did he ever have other than good looks? Tribal tattoos. Well, great hairstyle. Um, a banana no, hammock, think, maybe, Rafe? A like, banana that's hammock? A good- 
I, I think that's like a, a a great question. Like, what can Jeff do when he doesn't have that size? I think he has underrated skills, like you say. Um, like, let's not forget that he was an Olympian. Um, but yeah, I wonder what he's gonna do if he if he comes up against better, bigger men than Zarafa, because Zarafa is only a hundred and fifty four pounder as well. So he's going up too. If he comes across someone who he can't push around uh, and he can't just outskill, he might be in for a nasty long night. I would rather see him back down at 154 if he can't make 147. Uh, and, you know, there are there are vulnerable guys out there too. Maybe he could go and uh, defend Glenn and get one back, take on Jaime Munguia. Wow, Why that, not call him fun. out rather than Murata? I mean, that that makes – although, I mean, Mungia is also humongous here. Mungia might be bigger than most middleweights at 154 pounds, but he he isn't he, – he's making 154 seems to make him even worse at boxing. Uh, yeah, uh, this is interesting. Now, now Zarafa, we saw him get sent to hell by Kid Chocolate, but that's like back in 2015, and I thought he died in the ring. That it was that bad of a uh, knockout. <laughs> Rafe, don't laugh at that. There's there's fatalities all the time in this sport. Then he ripped off like eight wins in a row against no one you've ever heard of at 154. Lost that gross decision to Kell Brook last December. So, I know this is a sloppy Super Bowl down under, but is this being billed as a competitive fight in Aussie in uh, the land of Oz? Are people ready to pass the sugar, or is this looked at as a Jeff Horn stay busy? I think it's mostly looked as a Jeff Horn stay busy, but I think people see that there's this there's more big fights down the line for him because he has that name recognition. I mean, it's going to be on pay per view, but uh, everything's on pay per view down here. So what can I say? And do the does a do the local rivalries like say this one Horn Mundine, um, the brewing. Jeff Horn, Tim Zhu, uh, the son of Kachizu fight that, that might be on the horizon. Do those play better locally than Horn sort of trying to be a world beater, traveling to Japan to fight Murata, traveling to the U.S. to take on guys at 154, 140, so wherever, uh, on, on this side of the world? What's, what, what, what is the local, what does the Australian audience want from Jeff Horn? I think they probably want him to fight good fights. Uh, I mean, I think the problem with the Crawford fight was that, like, all us boxing fans know that Crawford's a beast, but your average bloke on the street in Australia has no idea, just like probably a lot of people in America have no idea. Um, I think at least if he went up to Japan, he'd be getting, like, like 20 million people watching him, and it would be on the same time zone in Australia, so it'd probably be an easier sell, whereas, like, him fighting in the States, that's 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. It's a bit harder. I mean, we're also coming off the back here on this fight of Tim Zhu fought last week against uh, some some Aussie guy. guy? <laughs> <laughs> some Aborigine? Um, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, 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 Brian. Um, no, just, uh, just some bloke. Uh, and so like, there's probably maybe a little bit of pay-per-view fatigue. Like, I mean, I don't know if people really want to be paying for a Tim Zhu pay-per-view when he's like 10 fights into his career. Anyway, that's the, that's our condition as Australian boxing fans though. Is Tim Zhu for real? Does he, do you rate him as a prospect that, that, you know, could achieve some of what his father did? Well, I, 
he seems all right. He's struggled in a couple of fights, but you get that early sometimes, I guess. I actually fought on a set on one of a card with him in the amateurs, and I was I just saw him and I was like, wow, I'm really glad that I weigh about ten kilos more than him because he could beat the stuffing out of me. I want to get into your box career in a second, but I did want to ask you about this location for Saturday's fight. I don't know if it's Monday in your era, but it's Saturday for us. Bendigo Stadium in Bendigo, Australia. I hear Mandingo when I hear that. He took his nuts, now you got to take his heart. Take his whole soul away. Uh, what is this place? Tell us about it. Mate, it's not a, it's not some Bendigo got my baby. It's, uh, <laughs> it's Bendigo. Bendigo. But that's interesting not, that's piece not of sexy. trivia, I think I think it's the only city in the world that's named after a boxer. Ooh, interesting. Because it's named after a uh, English bare knuckle champion from the 19th century called William Bendigo Thompson. Wow! So really, it couldn't be a better place for a fight. I mean, it's it's destiny. Uh, I mean, it's maybe, no Campbell, maybe... California, but it is a great place to watch a Canelo fight. I'm sure about that. <laughs> I, I hope to one day move to Zarafa, wherever it is in the world, uh, a, a place named after a boxer and a male stripper. Um, can I before before we get into the book? Can I throw one classic? What's it look like? All Aussie mythical matchup yes. at you, Alex. It is. The one and only Jeff Horn at middleweight versus Prime Gill. Prime Daniel Gill. Not Wash Gill. Prime Gill. <laughs> Is there such Two... a thing as Prime Gill? <laughs> uh, let's say Felix Ooh. Sturm, the, the beating Felix Sturm version of Gill. The, the, all, the, the putting Darren Barker down with a body shot he had no business getting up from version of Daniel Gill. How does that fight look? Ooh, you're hurting me here, man. I don't want. I don't want to choose between my favorites, but um, I think it looks like so. So Gil, Prime Gil, was a real uh, speedy fighter. Relied a lot on uh, jabs, straight punches. Had a kind of amateur-ish sort of setup. Was quite squared up. So I think uh, Gil. So I think Horn comes right at him as he does come right at everybody uh, and makes it makes it sloppy extra sloppy I think it, I think it's a good fight that would be a very good fight we'd really find out what Wash Giel had on the inside I mean we're, we're used to him hitting others who had no business getting up from shots but it would be interesting to see how he would respond to that um to me all right look you got a book you're joining the uh, boxing authors club Along with the great Rafe Bartholomew, who has given us such classic I'm box boxing titles author. as, uh, uh, my father and yours and Kriegel, uh, uh, what is that called again? Around the Rim? Pacific Rims, uh, great boxing books, great, great place to watch it, great place to read about a Canelo fight. But Alex McClintock, you have arrived with On the Chin, a boxing education out now with text publishing, folks. I want to know What's this about? What's the inspiration? You crossed over, bro. Rafe once got on a train and, and went from L.A. to the Canadian border to clear his mind and write a book. I hope you went Rocky Four style and got a, got a hut somewhere in Moscow and really put this thing together. It was worse, mate. It was colder. I was in Toronto. Being in that place in January, 
It's not very pretty. I sat down. I got it done. The book is about, it's about boxing. It was actually inspired by the Jeff Horn Manny Pacquiao fight. I was there. There were 55,000 quality blokes there. And I thought, like, what the hell is going on? How can this sport that we all know, that we all love, but that nobody in the wider community seems to care about 99% of the time, how can it suddenly be the biggest event in the country? So I said, I said I'd try this book about, you know, what the appeal is, what the appeal is to me, um, my like own very limited experiences getting punched in the face. Uh, and that's what it's all about. And it, it's got some, you know, hopefully some weird and wacky stories from boxing history in it because I feel like everybody knows all this. Everybody knows like Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, but I wanted to bring in some, uh, some of the weird and wacky ish that, uh, happens in boxing all the time and has been happening for hundreds of years. Love it. I love it. Where can people purchase this fine, fine book? Uh, Amazon, Apple Books, Tinder, uh, Bumble, probably. Swipe, swipe right. I don't know. That. Everywhere. All the services. All the services. For, for listeners in the states or outside of Australia, what's the is, is the best way an ebook right now? That I've seen folks purchasing that. Um, it, it, should, is it? Worth waiting for a, uh, uh, you know, the, it to show up in stores out here. There are no bookstores here anymore, but if there were, look, it may happen. I don't know. I like. I, I don't know how well boxing books sell. I don't know how well books sell full stop. But uh, I wouldn't hold out for it. I reckon get the Kindle edition. Wait for the audio book. I'm gonna get Joe Horn to read it. Yes. If that doesn't oh. work, Glenn Rushton on it. Yeah, right, Alex. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Be yeah, a it's real good to dream. quality package. Um, so your inspiration on this was the explosion of boxing in your pants at Horn Pacquiao and also what you mentioned, your own amateur career. You've taken that step that most of us haven't, wouldn't, couldn't. Give us this backstory because you kind of look like prime Andy Lee in your Twitter pick. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I got into it like, uh, Miguel Cotto to, cause I got a bit chubby, uh, and I needed a way to lose the weight. Someone told me to get into boxing. Uh, you could have just shared a bed with Brian Alvarez. Brian, uh, what's his name? What is his name? What's up? No, I haven't. Turkey Neck. What's that guy's name? I know who you are. Yeah, Mr. Nuts. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Nuts. You could have just shared a bed with Mr. Nuts. All right, keep going. No, Sorry. I haven't shared the bed. I haven't won the pink Crocs, but, uh, Got into it, and you know, as often happens with people in boxing, it really snowballed and became an obsession. I'm sure the same thing happened to you guys when you first started watching boxing. Uh, and I ended up having a few fights uh, at a very, very low level, I should say. Um, it's a pretty shallow pool out here, uh, perhaps as the fight that we're talking about right now might indicate. Well, it's so um, shallow. You might have had fights against like Jared Fletcher and other Australian legends, like, uh, or, or were this like Uber drivers? Who were you fighting? Well, it was like it was the amateurs, so I don't even know if they were Uber drivers. They were probably uh, on the dole, but uh, it was good. I fought at, at like a whole bunch of dodgy rugby league clubs and um, and return servicemen's league clubs. Uh, I won a really minor state title for people who hadn't had many fights. Uh, and I feel like I learned a lot about myself, even though I, uh, I was no threat to become a, any sort of contender. What did 
being in that, being in the pressure cooker, getting the, the, the buzz from it, getting buzzed, uh, being in that chess match do for your fandom? It made me appreciate what professional boxers go through so much more because, I mean, I say at the start of the book that writing a book about boxing after having a few amateur fights is a bit like writing a book about marathons after going for a jog around the block. It's, it doesn't even compare, but it makes you realize how insanely fit and tough and dedicated these guys are. So I just have nothing but respect for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, are if, you... well, Alex, if you had gotten the opportunity to cross paths with Glenn Rushton and train in the House of Dreams, do you think that he could have brought something out of you? He could have he could have unleashed a a, a, a beast, a killer. I, I think it could have happened because you know me and Jeff Horn, we started at almost exactly the same time. Uh, we fought at some of the same venues. Uh, and I guess the only difference was that he was good and I was what I wasn't. So there you go. Yeah, I don't right. Know. Uh, you know, Rafe has a lot of experience with the rhythm method. So if he could have add some broken pressure to that, <laughs> Rafe, you could have been a contender too. If you could have got rushed in, in your corner. Uh, go, how, how's this process? You got a book tour going on down under. Rafe is a, is a very decorated author, all jokes aside, who's been through the wars. He can tell you the good or bad. Does this process want to, you to make you want to get back out there and write another one? Uh, I don't know. I, the, I guess you can't think about doing the other one while you're busy with all the crap that comes with doing the tour. It's like there's too much. Plus, I'm back in Australia seeing all my friends for the first time in like two years and we're just like sinking beers like you wouldn't believe. So it's not very conducive to uh, getting back into camp, if you know what I mean. Some writers, some writers like to get a little bit loose before they sit down. Uh, it works for some folks. I, I, it looks like you've been like the, the books being very well received back home, you know, getting some love in the Sydney Morning Herald and just, you know, a, a legit, a, a legit, you know, a real events and stuff that sometimes if for a boxing book or a sports book, you know, people just don't care. Um, that's, that's awesome. How's it feel? And, and where do you, is that have to do with, uh, I mean, it has to do with the, the book obviously being good and being, and people, the reviewers receiving it and thinking, damn, like this is, this is something we should pay attention to, even if we don't pay attention to boxing. And is it all, and, and I don't know, does some of it have to do with, with the interest in boxing that, that say Jeff Horn has, has helped, uh, grow in the country? Well, obviously, I timed it perfectly to come out in the same month as the Battle of Bendigo. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, it feels really good to get to have people who it feels good on both sides, actually, to have people who are involved in boxing read it and say that they like it and that it rings true. And I've had a lot of people email me and say that, and that feels really cool. But it feels cool at the same time to also get people who don't really care about boxing say oh this has got me interested and it's really nice to get the mainstream press too i mean i think we just have to see how it goes because i think we all know that you know uh we don't really know how boxing books go it's not a very big sector of the uh book market but uh fingers crossed um fingers crossed we can get that show horn audiobook happening that's what i'm talking about right there a true celebrity the great joe Hahn. Right there. Uh, she's definitely driving that relationship. You know, it's fine. It's fine. You know what I mean? I'm sure that's part of what fuels Jeff's anger inside the ring. Uh, Alex McClintock is the author of On the Chin, A Boxing Education. I'm hoping this book blows up 
in Australia and does worldwide, but blows up in Australia and does for the boxing culture there what Rafe's Pacific Rims once did for basketball in the Philippines. Yes, yes, yes. All right, awkward transition, long pause, double long pause. Yes, all right, Rafe, you're looking at me. Rafe, finish this. Oh, well, shoot. Uh, I just wanted to let that mention of Pacific Rims echo for a few minutes. Thank you. you know, really, you. really feel it. Soak it in. Because Pilipinas. I mean, it's the best. Uh, but yeah, no, I, Alex, I mean, we're a couple of jokers. We have uh, not really been able to re-give the book the amount of attention we should have. I, I can't wait to, and, and at that point in time, I can't wait to tell you how much, you know, how, how much respect I have. I already have respect for anybody who finishes a book. It's, it's, it's sort of like some, it's sort of like boxers have respect for anyone who's gotten in the ring. It's a crappy experience that's rewarding in the end. And, uh, once you've done it, once you've gone through it, you both never want to do it again, but also really feel that like like nothing else can satisfy you. Uh, so congrats. I can't wait to read the book, and I hope our readers pick it up and, and, and send you lots of love. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Follow him on Twitter at AXMCC. Nobody knows what that means, but we can't wait for this Saturday in the Battle of Bendingo. Well, how dare you? <laughs> Right, special thanks to our broski there. Um, you ever going to make it down under? I'd love to. I mean, who wouldn't? I mean, it looks beautiful. People seem to all be cool when they come here and you meet them. Glenn Rushton is there. That's worth a pilgrimage. But, man, it's far. It's far. Like, how are you supposed to go to work and do all the other crap in our lives? I don't even have kids yet. I I, I, I probably sound like a like a total fool to you you're like go young man go yeah um well you do have a dog happy national dog day yesterday to bear thank you thank you he uh he uh he ate his food and got some walks all right all right shout out to bear all righty then rafe uh do you care are you ready to care oh i, I well i probably don't but i'm ready all right it's going to start rafe thursday night ufc fight pass mash and tuck it connecticut tokokan clary Versus Irvin Gonzalez headlining this card. Junior lightweights, 10 rounds. Do you care? I do not care. Isn't Togokan Cleary a, a Freddie Roach guy or did I make that up? Might be. He's, he's fighting with DeBella. Is that a, is that a DeBella Broadway boxing like in it. Connecticut style the, card? Sounds like it. The co-main event is a title bout, Rafe. Alicia Napoleon Espinoza will defend her WBA women's super middleweight title against Shemel Baldwin. You care? Wait, what's the, the name of her opponent? Shamel Baldwin. Okay, because because you said sh- you said something else before that. No, I wasn't saying she male. I said she male. I pronounce. You know me. I I'm not one of the better pronunciators in this game. Do, you know Dwyer and I are really competing for for that level there, Rafe. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you. Do I have any Dwyer wants to play for you? Alexander Grossdick. Hey, Dwyer hit us up this week, Rafe, with uh with something poppycockish. Where is the soundbite here? But understand, I believe that a grow stick needs a certain rhythm to his fights. I know what that I know what that means, yeah. And I and I will care about the rhythm in the Alicia 
Napoleon Chamel something or other fight. Uh, I, I do care, Brian. Hey, buried on this undercard, like I'm talking 10 fights deep, Callie Reese is back in a six-round female welterweight bout against Patricia Juarez. Wasn't Callie Reese in like a couple HBO main events? Or one? Well, there was only one HBO uh, main event featuring women, and that was the final card in HBO's history. Uh I don't know. I, I don't remember who Cecilia Brake is. Wait, has Cecilia Brake has fought anyone this I year? I don't know. Is she retired? That was a tough was ending it? for HBO, bro. That woman judge. All right, Paul. All right, oh, all right, wow. all right. No, come on. We don't. We don't. We don't go down like that. Well, maybe. Maybe after hours. We uh, ain't going out like that. Friday night in Pasadena, Rafe, your old backyard. You could have been here. A RingTV.com card gives us Ferdinand Carobian versus Oscar Molina. Eight rounds, Walter Waits. Not bad. Ferdinand Karobian coming off a loss to Blair the Flair Cobbs earlier oh, hey. this year. Bounce back. Uh, here's what we really care about. It is Saturday. It's ESPN Plus. It's from London, which means it's got to be in the afternoon, and we got to see it. It's a title bout. Vasily Lomachenko defends his WBO and WBA lightweight titles and will compete for the vacant WBC lightweight title belt when he faces my cousin, my boy, former Olympic gold medalist Luke Campbell. Rafe? This is a really good fight. Very pumped for the plus to be getting this. Very pumped to be watching this. Luke Campbell, let me remind you, Rafe, only two defeats, gave Jorge Linares all he could handle in a title bout that you could argue that Campbell should have won. And Linares arguably gave Loma, the, the prime version of Lomachenko his toughest fight. So considering Campbell's length, height, advantages in that category, are you expecting a competitive bout here on Saturday? I am hoping for one, and I believe there's a good chance. I believe in Luke Campbell, both his amateur pedigree and, yeah, the the the, the attributes, the advantage, the physical attributes that he brings into this fight that look, that appear to be troublesome for Vasily Lomachenko, a smaller fighter who began his pro career at 126 pounds, going all the way up to lightweight. Uh, who we've seen now, the story is, the Lomachenko camp story is that for last year's fight against Jose Pedraza, that, that, that Pedraza, it wasn't just the Pedraza's, the, the, his movement, his feints, his size, his reach that troubled Lomachenko. Lomachenko says his shoulder wasn't totally healed. He was coming off surgery. That maybe that wasn't the full Loma experience. But you know what? Luke Campbell, lines up to be able to trouble Lomachenko in a lot of the same ways. And if we get a, I, I am definitely hoping for a competitive fight. I think there's a better chance of that happening than Anthony rock and roll Crola earlier this year. So yeah, man, I'm pumped for this fight. It's an interesting puzzle for the, for, for Lomachenko to solve. Yeah. I want to see Lomachenko in this type of environment in London where boxing is on fire, where Luke Campbell's the chosen son. And you want to see if Campbell's length can extend this fight. I mean, I just don't want to see another Crowla type fight. You know, that was a mandatory, but he got just overwhelmed and dominated. You want to see if Campbell has the type of craft to keep Lomachenko on the outside to really make him have to work for this. And certainly a lot at stake. If Lomachenko wins this, He'll have three of the four belts at lightweight. He will be set up to face the winner of that aforementioned December 14th, Richard Kami, 
Teofimo Lopez Jr. bout. So lots at stake. Rafe, this is a hella good fight. I am very excited about it. I love me some Luke Campbell. After he lost, remember he lost that original fight on, on the way up? What was that against? Yvonne Mendy. I, I DM'd him. Uh, us Campbell stuck together. I, I encouraged that man. He, he thanked me. All right. Well, you know, you, you, sir, are a top bloke and so is Luke Campbell. We will never forget the, the story that came out after his loss to Linares that he was fighting only a couple weeks after the loss of his father. Didn't tell anyone, just went through with the fight, fought his balls off. Would you say uh, that was very Barkerian of him? Well, I, except Barker would win that fight. Oh, that is a great point. Uh, it's about time to play the Darren Barker sound of the week. He sat down with that top British. What's the name of that British show? TKO with Carl Frampton. He sat down with that bloke. You know that young guy, the guy that hosts a lot of stuff? He, yeah, he hosts that show with Carl Frampton. <laughs> and here's our own Darren Barker talking about that body shot against Wash Giel that Rafe, he had no business getting up from. And then middle of the fight, I mean, it's, it's still to this day one of the best body shots I've seen. Yeah. And I've watched a lot of boxing. Just yeah. tell me about it. Yeah, it was a peach of a body shot. Everything was going to plan. I was winning the fight. Um, not much in the rounds, but I felt I was winning it and got caught with a page of a body shot. Uh, my whole life flashing in front of me. <laughs> you know, crazy. I've got my brother there, get up, and visions of my daughter saying, you know, you know, you've got to provide for her, you've got to win this fight. And it was just a crazy, um, you hear the moment. crowd as well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, it's just a lot of muffled noise, but it's loud. It's, you know, I can hear his crowd, uh, his team screaming and shouting and celebrating. Mad, like nine and a half seconds seemed like nine and a half weeks. It was mad, nine and a half years. Just so much happened in that moment. And again, what got you up? We're going to say my brother. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the final piece in our jigsaw puzzle. You know, the final piece, winning that world title for us. For that still fires me up. That still fires me the hell up. Thinking of his daughter and. uh and uh the peach of a body shot, Rafe. No and business. and just that that little shout out to Mickey Rourke in nine and a half. Weeks. I was going to totally hit you up with that. Uh In terms of being young and having HBO, Rafe. Kim Basinger was no joke. No joke. That movie, no joke. Wow. Okay, then. Thank you. Uh, shout out to Darren Barker there. That fired me up. Uh, this co-main event on. Oh, Rafe. Rafe. Uh, Lomachenko is going to win. I think we both know that. We want to see a tough fight. Though. Brian, are you concerned at all about any UK shenanigans? Because hometown fighters yeah. often get a little bit of a, 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 a tug and war of kindness from, from, from judges and referees there. I'm not. I'm not. But it would be interesting if, if Campbell was that competitive where you could make a case for him. I don't. I believe they had Tony Bellew up over Alexander Usyk before that knockout. Yeah. I believe Carl Frotch had it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a shutout for the bomber. He had four even rounds and, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, co-main event. I'm fired up. Huey Furry. Huey Fury versus Alexander Povietkin, Rafe. Wow, Rafe. Fired up for this. Huey Fury has got a big set of bollocks. He does, Rafe. This is going to be an interesting the bollock sack of the year. Not the ball sack, but the bollock sack. Perhaps. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Um, you know, we used to give that award to Mikey Garcia. Did we take that away from him? 
the fight may, he may have lost it after that fight. Oh, and I think the the same guy from the Mayweather Boxing Club, not the same guy, gives it to Sean Porter and his big balls for fighting Errol Spence. Basically, the All way right, to I'll have the biggest the balls in boxing is play, to fight Errol Spence. Play the voices and you tell me if it's the same guy. You ready? Oh no, I'm gonna be wrong. Got to give Mikey the ball sack of the year award for taking that fight because they got to be this big to jump up two weight classes. Balls of the year, Mikey Garcia. Hell yeah! Balls of the year, Rafe. Mikey Garcia. Okay, Sean Porter has some big, big balls for getting in the ring with Spence because Spence looks so good. Rafe, not I think even I think I nailed it. Rafe, I think I got not it. even close to the same guy. No, dude. no, no. That might be the same guy. No, get out, get out of here. Um. Okay, big bollocks. Huey can, Fury. Can Huey Fury get back to the title level here? Can he win this fight? I mean, he's got to make it gross. That's what Huey Fury does, right? Yeah. I, I think is making a fight gross against Povetkin. That guy can punch still. Yeah, he'll make you fight. He'll make you fight. Uh, you know, I'd like to see – I feel like Fury has a better chance fighting at distance, fighting slow, spoiling a little bit, jabbing, basically fighting like a Fury. Um, and um, – if it becomes an in-close sloppy war, then Povetkin is a strong guy, even though he's shorter. I look, uh, I don't know. Who, who do you like in this fight? I think Fury can do it. Question is how tough he is when Povetkin's landing those bombs. I'm going to go with youth here. I mean, Povetkin, dude, how many good performances is he going to have left? I well, think Fury, Fury can boring ass this fight out. And make it like a lot of Huey Fury fights where we go, okay, yeah, he may have won that majority decision, but wow, that was a weird fight. That's a, that's a, that's a good call. I'm going to say Povetkin, man. I think Povetkin is still a, a, a class above. I think he's a class above. He does have that amateur experience, you know? Some people wonder if that did exist. It, it did. We both know it did exist. Thank you. All right. Um, title fight. Charlie Edwards will defend his WBC flyweight title against Julio Cesar Martinez on this ESPN Plus card in London. You down? No? I'm down. I mean, I, I, I gotta say, I'm not a big fan of the new dyed blonde Bieber hair on, uh, on Charlie Edwards, but hey, whatever. He, he's, he, let's see guy. how the, maybe if it's a great fight, we'll, we'll forgive anything. My, uh, my boy, Josh Buazzi is back. 10 round light heavyweight bout against Ryan Ford. Buazzi was on, who was he on that, uh, Ruiz Joshua undercard? I believe so, yes. And didn't, didn't sizzle, right? Oh, he looked good. I mean, he's, he's a, He's fighting Marco Antonio Pariban, right? And he he went in, got him out there pretty early. He said, "Man, I I liked him. Oh, Just I'm the aggression." Of who, who didn't sizzle on that undercard that had the platform to do oh, it? Oh, Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly, you're right. Boatsy looked great. Boatsy's fantastic. Boatsy's the next big thing, right? He's much more skilled than a Anthony Yard. He's going to be something. I want to see him every time he fights. All right, uh, Saturday night, Minneapolis, Rafe on Fox. Rafe, this is a big Fox, PBC main event on Fox. Fox, Rafe. Not big F- Fox. Not FS1, Fox. Big Aris- facts on Big Fox. It's going to be for a vacant WBA regular junior middleweight title, and it's Arislandi Lara against Ramon Alvarez, the older brother of Canillo. Did you see, Rafe, by this point, my PBC face-to-face with them, and really how Saul was a recurring theme in this because Ramon spent these whole, the whole episode saying, I'm not Saul. And I got the feeling, although he respects his brother, that it didn't seem like they're day-to-day, minute-to-minute close. It seemed like Ramon's the older brother who's like, dude, I'm trying to do my own thing. And Laura spent the whole episode saying, I beat Canelo, they robbed me, and now I'm going to take it out on his brother. 
Well, I hope Lara does that. All right. So you're saying it'll be a – well, here's the, the key question I asked in the show. Oh, right? this guy lost to Brandon Rios earlier this year. <laughs> in the same calendar year as he's supposed to be fighting Eris Landi Lara. What is going on here? I was going to say a uh, big question I asked Lara is, you know, are you brawling in your last two fights because you want to or you have to at 36, Rafe? You're saying it doesn't matter. He's fighting Canelo's uh, – the husk of Canelo's older brother. That is correct, Brian. He can brawl as much as he wants. He only needs to land a couple. I think he will. I think he will send this man to hell. So uh, you're saying this is the Tito Jackson of the? Uh, he's not even. This ain't Rigoberto. Is what you're saying? This ain't even Rigoberto. This ain't even losing to losing your your belt to Austin Trout, Rigoberto. All right. Well, you're going to care about this co-main event on Brian Fox. Austin Trout. Austin Trout going down to 147, looking for the ugly Curtis Stevens ending. I don't like that, Brian. Just did, saying. Did he announce it? Yeah, he did announce it. All right. Uh, the co main event is going to pop you because it's your boy. The towering inferno is back. And Rafe, I forgot to tell you from my conversation when I talked with Samson and he flew me to the moon like that bitch Alice Cramden, right? Cause it's hard being black and gifted. He told me this fight will take place, of course, in Minneapolis at the armory, which is becoming a stop for PBC consistently. That the folks at the Armory requested Sebastian Fundora for this card. Awesome. I Look, I'm all in on this guy. He likes to fight. He looks like a praying mantis, but he makes it work in there. And still no one – no, he goes in there and mixes it up. He doesn't really use his, his height all that much. And uh, no one has punched a hole through his midsection yet. So I, I'm going to keep watching until that day comes. Jamonte Clark is the opponent. Ten rounds junior middleweights should be fun to watch. I'm trying to search this undercard, Rafe, for anything that will move me. Francisco Santana, who's that guy? Ten round junior middleweight. Uh, that's the guy that I believe has lost at uh, welterweight or junior welterweight to uh, folks like Lucas Matisse. Is that the and- dude who on – Salka DSG night fought Peterson in the co-main and took like five thousand body shots. That sounds that sounds like it could be. All right, Boxrec is loading. Rafe, Boxrec is loading. Are you with me, Boxrec? <laughs> are you with me? Tell me, Boxrec. Are you with me? Are you with me or what? All right, great podcasting here. Great. You're still you're still loading. What is going on with you? Got you on load watch right now. Yeah, Rafe, this is just not good internet right now. Um. Uh, not the same. Okay, this guy, this version of uh of Santana lost to Jose Benavides Jr. in 2016. Lost to Saddam Ali in 2015. Once beat Freddie Hernandez. Not the same guy, Rafe. Not the same guy. Okay, glad we wasted all that time of this show. Hey, let's get out of here. What else we got? Uh, on this card, nothing else you care about. Oh, Vaughn Alexander on the deep undercard. Devin's brother. All right, just uh, no. Okay, um, Saturday in La Paz, Mexico. No TV, Rafe. But the title there's a title fight in the main event. Annabelle Ortiz will defend her WBA Women's Strawweight crown against Maria Milano. Ten rounds. Um, is that, you said something about Alyssa Milano. But, talking about Commando. Poison, Poison Ivy. Yeah. In the co-main event, though, Rafe. Carlos Ocampo. Carlos Ocampo. Fresh off to having his midsection. Removed from Errol Spence Jr. in that title bout, will face TBA Junior Middleweights ten rounds. Who you got, Rafe? I'm gonna go with Ocampo in this one. I mean, TBA he uh, 
he he always comes to fight, but he usually loses. All right. Also, real quick, uh, Saturday in Tagbilaran City. Tagbilaran. Tagbilaran, Philippine City. Um, it's Mark Magsayo. Mm-hmm. Twelve round featherweights against Pung Luang Sor Singyu. Oh, some Thailand guy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But- hell yeah, I care. Look, shout out to all the Boholanos out there. Tagbilaran, a great place to catch a Canelo fight. Yes, yes. And and also belated shout out to John Riel Casimero, who defended his his what flyweight belt or junior super fly whatever belt under 118 pounds that he has over the weekend. Looked good doing it. Fun fight. You know the the the, the smaller end of the Pinoy fight. You know weight classes right now. They're they're making some noise. I'm 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 enjoying it. Um, also, as we mentioned in Mandigo, Australia, it is Horn, it is Zarafa. Can I get a prediction to close the show, Rafe? Uh, horn, 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 unanimous decision. I don't know if he's going to be able to stop. <laughs> yeah, right, Jeffrey. No, <laughs> I don't think so. But anyway, it's good to dream, you know. Uh, special thanks to Alex McClintock by his book. Special thanks to Rafe Books for gutting this show out. We had some audio issues. We fought through it. You got that Detroit backbone in you, brother. It's just the, the 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 steel in this town. I know it's not a steel town, but just the the grit. You know, it doesn't take long to get into your blood. Love it. That's it. Show's over. We out. Thank you. It's over. No, it's over, Rick. Vince Carter. It's over. It's over. Yeah, we out. <laughs> <laughs>